In the beginning ayat, we learned that the mushrikeen of Makkah, one of the main objections they had about the Prophet ﷺ was that if he is a messenger, then how come he's a human being? Why would Allah send a human messenger? And basically the mushrikeen demanded many miracles from the Prophet ﷺ, that prove your prophethood to us. And what were the miracles that they demanded? We learned about them. Cause a river to gush forth. You should have a house of gold, and so on and so forth. So what was the response that was given? That, هَلْ كُنْتُ إِلَّا بَشَرَ الرَّسُولَ I am only a human messenger. I am not here to show all these amazing feats to you. I am a human messenger. I am just conveying the message to you. So then they had another objection. Why are you a human if you are supposed to be a messenger? What was the answer? What's the response? Because you are human beings yourself. And in order to learn from a messenger, you better be able to relate with him. You better be able to feel comfortable around him. And that is only possible if he is one of you. And then it is said that Allah is sufficient as a witness. Meaning whether you believe in Muhammad ﷺ or you don't believe, Allah is sufficient as a witness because he is truly a messenger. وَمَن يَهْدِ اللَّهِ فَهُوَ الْمُهْتَدِ Whoever Allah guides, then only He is truly guided. Only the one whom Allah guides, that person can receive guidance. That person can be truly guided. Now a person may wonder, why is it that Allah chooses who to guide and who not to guide? You know, apparently this statement seems unfair. That if Allah guides someone, only then He is guided. But what if someone wants guidance and Allah does not guide him? Then what? Then what? Yes? Think about it. Human beings, do we need food? Does Allah give us food? Do we need people around us? Does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give that to us? Allah loves us more than we can imagine. He cares for us more than we care about ourselves. It is not possible that a person wants guidance and Allah would not give it to him. Thinking like this about Allah is really bad. That what if a person wants guidance and Allah does not guide them? This is entertaining evil thoughts about Allah. What do you think about Allah that you would say such a thing? Any person who truly wants to be guided, Allah will bring guidance to him. Any person who wants something good, genuinely, sincerely, Allah will take him there. Allah will bring it to him. You know, there is a very beautiful story about Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal. About how once he went to a new city, and he went to the masjid in order to spend the night over there, because the masjid was supposed to be like a guest house also. So he intended to spend the night in the masjid. But what happened at night time, these guards came, and they expelled Imam Ahmad out of the masjid. They said, no, no, you can't be here. Nobody is allowed to stay inside the masjid, you have to leave. So Imam Ahmad is out on the street. Now this man, he feels pity on him and he says, why don't you come and stay you know, with me tonight? So Imam Ahmad goes to him and he stays with him, a random man. And that man was a baker, he would bake bread. That's the work that he would do. And in their conversation, he was telling Imam Ahmad about you know, how I have these wishes and I hope that Allah will fulfill all of them for me. He said, what are they? 
He numbered a few of them and he said, you know, each and every one of them is fulfilled. There's this one last wish I have and I hope Allah will fulfill that for me. He said, what is that wish? I really want to meet Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal. That man, he said, I really want to meet Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal. And look at what happened. Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal is brought to him, to his house. Because a person, if he truly wants something good, something khair, sincerely, Allah will give him. So never ever entertain this thought in your head. What if someone wants to be guided and Allah does not guide them? And when people say such things, and they raise such questions when they read these ayat, these thoughts are purely from shaitan. Purely from shaitan. Because he thought bad about Allah, that Allah, you misled me, you misguided me, and he wants people to think bad about Allah as well. This ayah, what it's telling us is that a person who wants to be guided, Allah will guide him. And once Allah will guide him, that person will remain upon guidance. وَمَن يَهْدِ فَهُوَ الْمُهْتَدِ وَمَن يُضْلِلْ And a person whom Allah sends astray, Allah allows that, okay, go astray. Why would Allah let someone go astray? They don't want to be guided. They don't want to accept guidance. You know, it's like there's a person who's doing something wrong, you advise them, you tell them, you warn them. But if they don't want to listen, what do you do? You're like, fine, so be it. You know, then suffer yourself. So, وَمَن يُضْلِلْ Whoever Allah lets to go astray, فَلَن تَجِدَ لَهُمْ You will never find for them awliya, any friends, any protectors, مِن دُونِهِ besides him. Meaning then you can find no one to protect such people. وَنَحْشُرُهُمْ And we will gather them. يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ On the Day of Judgment. How? عَلَى وُجُوهِهِمْ On their faces. On the Day of Judgment, such people will be brought how? On their faces. What does that mean? A person is on his face. What does it mean? He is upside down. Upside down. Why? Because that is how they lived in this world. Because remember, our spiritual condition will be our physical condition in the Akhirah. That is how we will be physically. We will see the reality of our deeds, of our thinking in a physical form on that day. So for example, if a person is too arrogant here, then on the day of judgment, the punishment for that will be made physical for him. How? That he will be raised like ants. So small. Being trampled over by the rest of people. So what do we learn here? That people who leave guidance who don't want to accept guidance, who come up with one excuse after another, one objection after another, then how are they living? You know, They're basically looking at things in a crooked way, upside down. So this is how they will be, upside down on the Day of Judgment. وَنَحْشُرُهُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ عَلَىٰ وُجُوهِهِمْ عُمْيًا Ones who are blind. وَبُكْمًا And ones who are dumb, mute, unable to speak. وَصُمًّا And ones who are deaf. Because this is how they lived in this world. They didn't use their eyes, they didn't use their ears, and they didn't use their tongue properly. When they heard about guidance, when they saw guidance, instead of saying something positive, what did they say? Bad things. That's what they expressed. So as a result, on the Day of Judgment, unable to see, unable to hear, unable to speak, ma'wahum jahannam, their abode will be hell. Kullama khabat. Each time it will die out, it will subside. What? The burning, the fire. Zidanahum sa'ira, we will increase them in sa'ir, in blazing fire. The word khabat is from the root letters khaba wow, khabu. And khabu is basically when something, like for example, there's fire. 
And what happens after some time? When the wood or the coal is all burnt up, when the fuel is all burnt up, when it's all consumed, then you see that the fire is reducing. Its intensity is reducing. It begins to finish. So this is what khabu is, when something's about to go out, when it subsides. But each time the fire subsides, will it finish? No. Zidnahum sa'ira. We will increase them in burning. The fire will be lit again. Or that burning sensation shall never end. Because in the Qur'an we learn that skins will be replaced. In Surah Naba we learn, فَذُوقُوا فَلَن نَزِيدَكُمْ إِلَّا عَذَابًا We shall never increase anything for you except punishment. Because in this life also, what did these people do? Everything they saw, everything they heard, it became a means of increase in their misguidance. Something that is supposed to tremble the heart of a person, it made them even more hard. The verses of the Qur'an that should melt the heart of a person, what did these people do? It became a source of the hardness of their heart. Something that should be a source of guidance became a source of misguidance for them. Why? Their perspective. Because that is how they looked at ayat. Because that is how they approached the deen. So that is how they will be treated in the akhirah as well. In a hadith in Bukhari and Muslim, Anas bin Malik anhu said that the Prophet ﷺ was asked, O Messenger of Allah, how will the people be gathered on their faces? I mean, think about it. If a person is walking upside down, can he really? Can he? Maybe a person can stand upside down for a brief moment, but can he really walk like that? Can he stay like that for long? So the people wondered, because in Surah Al-Qamr, Ayah 48, a similar thing is mentioned. يَوْمَ يُسْحَبُونَ فِي النَّارِ عَلَى وُجُوهِهِمْ When the people will be dragged on their faces into the hellfire. So the people wondered that how will that be? The Prophet ﷺ said, the one who made them walk on their feet is able to make them walk on their faces. The one who made them walk on their feet is able to make them walk on their faces. But imagine the humiliation in this. The disgrace in this. That a person's face is on the floor. And it's being dragged. And he's not able to stand the right way, on his feet. This is disgrace. It's utter humiliation. Why? Because those who treat the book of Allah arrogantly, who are arrogant towards the messenger, then they will be humiliated in the akhirah. ذَلِكَ جَزَاؤُهُمْ That is their recompense. Why? بِأَنَّهُمْ كَفَرُوا بِآيَاتِنَا Because they disbelieved in our verses. We sent them our ayat, the Qur'an, and what was their reaction? Kufr. They weren't willing to accept and instead, they raised objections. They said, وَقَالُوا أَإِذَا كُنَّا عِظَامًا What? When we have turned into عِظَامًا Plural of عَظْم Bones وَرُفَاتًا And what are رُفَات? We did this word earlier. Mortal remains. So basically the remains of you know, something that was alive once upon a time, it died, part of the body, it got decomposed or fully decomposed, and you just have a few pieces here there. You know like when people are digging, then what do they find? They find rocks, they find different things. And sometimes they even find bones. Right? So what is that? Rufat, an old decayed bone. So they said, when we have turned into bones, and our bones have even further decomposed, What? Are we going to be resurrected into a new creation? What are you talking about? They disbelieved with conviction. You see what is being mentioned over here? 
that these people disbelieved with conviction. And sometimes you come across such people, you hear about such people, or you read their writings, how strongly they disbelieve. How firm are they in their kufr? That they have full yaqeen that there is no resurrection. They have full yaqeen that there is no God. They have full yaqeen that there is no true religion. That is how they think and that is what they talk about. But this disbelief, this utter disbelief, what is it going to lead them into? Hellfire. أَوَلَمْ يَرَوْ Allah says, do they not see? Why are they so firm in their kufr? Do they not see? أَنَّ اللَّهَ That indeed Allah الَّذِي خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ The one who created the skies and the earth. The sky above you and the earth beneath your feet. The earth in which you live. Just look at the magnitude of the sky and the magnitude of the earth. And just think about their detail and their intricacy. I mean, how amazing are they? How fine are they? Look at the details within the sky, within the earth. You know, just the other day, in one of the books, an Arabic book, Fiqhul Qulub, we were reading about a comparison was made between what Allah has created and what man has made. And just a few examples were cited and that made me think about, really, when we make something, like for example, human beings, when they make a building, what is it like? You know, it has a structure, it has a lot of detail, it has many things in it. However, if you compare that to just a piece of land even, that has a few trees on it, I mean, the piece of land with few trees on it has much more detail to it. Much more detail to it. Just compare that with a forest. I mean, you have all sorts of creatures living over there. Such an amazing system over there. What Allah has created and what man has made. There's no comparison. So the one who created the skies and the earth, الَّذِي خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Do they not see that He is قَادِر? He is capable. He has the ability عَلَى upon أَنْ يَخْلُقَ مِثْلَهُمْ That He can create those like them. Like who? like these people or like the skies and the earth. Meaning, if Allah can create the sky and the earth, you think it is difficult for Him to create anything else? Would it be difficult for Him to create anything else? No. Because just the size of the sky, just the size of the earth is enough to tell you that the one who made them can make anything. The one who did this can do anything. I mean, the more you study biology, the more you study any science, the more it amazes you, the more it fascinates you, the more we realize how ignorant we are, how much more there is on this planet that we still don't know, that we are still not familiar with. So just imagine. You know, the other day somebody was mentioning about the heart, that how the heart is hidden inside the body. Have you ever seen your heart? Can you see it? You can see your hand, you can see your feet, you can appreciate your facial features, you can appreciate your hair. But your heart, the way that is made, you don't see it. And even if you have some you know, super scan or something done to get an image of your heart, even that does not give you the true image of how the heart really is. They said that, this person is a doctor, and they said that you know, when you cut the heart straight from the middle, and you see how beautiful the heart is from the inside, how, you know, one layer upon the other layer, upon the other layer, you know, it is a very complicated structure, but within that also is so much beauty. 
And she was saying that if you just look at that image and see how beautiful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made something inside of you which you can never see and which you can never appreciate, you realize how much Allah loves you and how much Allah cares for you. You know, because when we have to show something to someone, then we think about making it nice and beautiful and presentable. But when something is hidden inside the body that you're never going to see, when Allah has made that so perfect and that so beautiful, what does that tell you about Allah? He loves you. He cares for you. He is Qadir. He can do anything. So the one who has created the skies and the earth, do the people not realize that He is Qadir ala an yakhluqa mithlahum, that He can create people also? And if He has made so many people, I mean, think about the number of human beings that Allah has created. That Allah has made those numbers, you know, they're mind-boggling, amazing. It's not just a thousand people, just a million people, so many more. So if Allah can create so much creation with so much variety, with so much detail, and so many differences, and each is unique and each is beautiful. I mean, even two twins, when you compare them, there are many similarities, but yet each is different, right? So why do you doubt Allah's power to recreate? Why do you think it is difficult for Allah to resurrect? Why? Doesn't He show that to you every year, that how a tree dies, but then it comes back to life? How one human being dies, but then another human being is born? You know, it's amazing. You go to the hospital to see someone who's sick. And then you find out, that somebody else has died over there. And then you find out that somebody else was just born over there. One is leaving, one is coming, one is sick, you know, hanging in the middle. Allah is doing so many things. He can resurrect. So why do you doubt? وَجَعَلَ لَهُمْ And He has made for them أَجَلًا A term. For people there is a fixed term, a fixed time of what? A fixed time of expiry. La Raibafi, there is no doubt in it. Every person who comes here, who comes to this world, has to leave. There is an ajal. We're not here forever. And this is a reality that everyone recognizes, that no one can doubt. But the wrongdoers have refused. Aba. He has refused. Refused to accept. Arrogantly. In la kufura except kufur. Meaning the only thing that they're so adamant about is what? Kufur. What is kufur? Extreme kufur. Extreme disbelief. That's the only reaction they show. Meaning no matter what proof is given to them, no matter what evidence is given to them to try to convince them, to try to make them understand, what is the only reaction they show? Kufur, kufur, kufur. So okay, be like that. And in the hereafter, what's the only thing such people will see? Punishment, fire, fire. That's all they will see. Because that's how they behave. This is something that they've brought upon themselves. قُلْ Say, لَوْ أَنْتُمْ If you were tamlikuna, You possessed. You had milkiya, You had possession. Possession of what? خَزَائِنَ رَحْمَةِ رَبِّي The khazain, the treasures of the rahma, of the mercy of Rabbi, of my Lord. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very merciful. Very merciful. And he has huge, unlimited resources. 
unlimited, from which He is constantly giving to His creation. Constantly giving. We just think about how much we have used since we were born. Just think about the money that you've spent. Just think about the number of apples that you've enjoyed. Just think about the number of breaths that you've taken. Just think about the number of glasses of water that you've had. Can we even count them? Now multiply that with the number of people that live on the earth. And multiply that by the number of the rest of the creatures that are on the earth. From the ants, to the birds, to the elephants, to the big blue whale. How much each creature is consuming? Constantly consuming, taking, taking, taking. Who's their provider? Who's their provider? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, He has placed that rizq in the earth. Right? He has placed that risk in the earth. But He has also created this amazing system because of which the risk is constantly you know, coming. It's constantly coming. So if you, O oh people, were the owners of Allah's treasures, meaning if everything was distributed according to your decision, according to your wishes, then what would happen? What would happen? If the supplies were dependent on us, meaning we were to decide who gets what and when and how much, then what would happen? Read the ayah. What does Allah say? What does Allah say? Tell me the ayah. What does the ayah say? Even then, everybody say it. Don't repeat after me. Look at the words. إِذَنْ لَأَمْسَكْتُمْ خَشْيَةَ الْإِنْفَاقِ Then, surely, la, surely, أَمْسَكْتُمْ You would withhold. Why? خَشْيَةَ Out of fear of الْإِنْفَاق Of spending. Then everyone would be hungry. And everyone would be thirsty. People would be dying of starvation. Just think about it. We bring a pet. And we have to provide that pet its food. How careful we have to be. Make sure that the food is there. Forget about pet, your own children, your own family. The person who's in charge of groceries, what happens to them? They're always being rebuked. They're always being told off. Grocery in charge, where is the milk? Where are the eggs? Where is the butter? Didn't you realize that we were running out of this? So what happens? We as people don't even have the ability to look after ourselves. First of all, lack the ability. We don't have that mental bandwidth or that mental strength to be able to calculate who needs what at what time. And then secondly, we don't even have those resources to be able to provide everybody. And if those resources were given to us, then what would we do? We would be stingy. We would be extremely selfish. We would not give to others. You know, like for example, if your mom tells you, here's the money, you go get the groceries. Then what happens? You see, oh, there's some extra cash. You know what? Let me get this bag of chips. Let me get this Coke. And let me get this treat. And then what happens when you get home and you're putting all the groceries away? Let me hide this in the top cupboard so that nobody sees it. Because if my brother sees it, he's going to finish it. And when he's out of the house, then I'm going to enjoy it myself. We become stingy. We become selfish. لَأَمْسَكْتُمْ خَشْيَةَ الْإِنْفَاقِ You would withhold and keep everything to yourself out of fear of spending. Why? 
Because we are needy. And whenever we have something, before we think about others, who do we think about first? Ourselves. And that is the reason why we don't like to share. That is the reason why when we have something extra, even if it's going to sit and rot in our refrigerator, and even if it's going to sit and become old-fashioned in our basement or in our garage, we're not going to give it away. Because what if we need it? What if we need it? And then we have this fear. If I give it away, I'm going to run out of it. I'll have nothing left. لَأَمْسَكْتُمْ خَشْيَةَ الْإِنْفَاقِ وَكَانَ الْإِنسَانُ قَتُورًا This is such a true statement. وَمَنْ أَصْدَقُ مِنَ اللَّهِ قِيلًا وَكَانَ الْإِنسَانُ قَتُورًا Man is ever stingy. Stingy. Who is قَتُور? قَتُور is the opposite of being musrif. Who is musrif? One who does israf. Who is the one who does israf? Who just spends, you know, without even thinking on useless things, money, $50 here, $10 there, $100 there, $300 there, and at the end he's got nothing left. This is israf. Hmm? And qatur is the exact opposite of that. Yeah, I need that food, but it's okay. Yeah, I need that jacket, but it's okay. Yeah, I need my house to be warm because it's really cold. But you know what? I'm going to put my jacket on. I'm not going to turn the heating on. Yes, it's extremely hot, but I'm not going to turn the air conditioning on. Yes, I have piles of laundry. However, I'm not going to do the laundry right now. I'm going to do it later in the night because the electricity bill will be cheaper then. We do these kind of things, right? Come on, we do it all the time or we hear such stories. That even when we have some genuine need, genuine need, we don't spend over there. This is qatur. Someone who's got the money, who's got the means, and they are genuinely in need of something, but still, they'll close their hand there. They will not spend over there. And this is something that's not positive. Because it shows that a person is, you know, too obsessed with money, and he's preoccupied with the fear of losing money, and with the desire for more. And qatur is also used for someone who is stingy with his family. His children are in need. They are hungry, they need clothes, but he doesn't spend. You know, one is that a person doesn't have enough. So obviously you have to be careful there. You save here, you save there, right? But the other is that a person has the money sitting in the bank. But all that he's concerned about is checking the numbers and not actually spending anything. وَكَانَ الْإِنسَانُ قَتُورًا The Prophet ﷺ said, Allah's hand is full and never decreases because of his giving night and day. Meaning Allah's hand is full, He is constantly giving. And despite His giving constantly, it doesn't reduce anything from His hand. It doesn't reduce His treasures at all. Do you not see how much He has given since He created the heavens and the earth? Yet that which is in His right hand never decreases. Never decreases. Allah's khaza'in are unlimited. And remember that hadith Qudsi in which we learn that if all of the men, people, and all of the jinn were to gather together in one place and each was to ask Allah, may I have this and may I have this, this is my wish list. And like people have their wish list prepared for Santa, right? In their dream world. So if, imagine this came true, everyone came with long endless wish lists and asked Allah, May I have this and this and this and this and this. And Allah would fulfill every wish of theirs. Every single human being and every single jinn. You know how much loss that would cause to Allah's treasures? 
How much? Like a needle dipped in the ocean. What are we? We're nothing. What are our desires? They're nothing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has even more to give. Allah is most generous. And this is the reason why out of His mercy, He hasn't left our risk to us. Because if it was left to us, we would be in a lot of trouble. Uh, I'm pretty sure all of us have seen, it's like in a little video that compares the earth to like the bigger planet, then Jupiter to the sun, then the sun to another sun, and then that sun you know, to its own solar system, to its own galaxy. And then they compare our galaxy to within its own cluster, and then that cluster within other clusters. And that's only part of the universe that we can actually see. Yeah. Every time you see that, we realize how minuscule we really are. Yes. And how much Allah has, and how much He gives. So this ayah, what is it telling us basically? That there are many decisions which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not left to us. Because if He had left those decisions to us, then we would be in trouble. We would be in difficulty. So amongst those decisions is also the decision of prophethood, guidance. People had a problem. Why a human messenger? Why Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa They're being told, you know what? This is none of your business. This is none of your business. Allah decides who should be messenger. Allah decides what He should convey. This is not something that you need to worry about. You need to be concerned about what He's telling you. That is your part of the problem. So this decision is not left to us. Because if this decision was left to us, then would there be any profit? Would there be any guidance? I mean, think about how stingy we are when it comes to good things. When it comes to food. When it comes to even knowledge. When it comes to information. When it comes to you know having an app even. We become so stingy. We're not going to tell anybody. Because then everybody's going to be like me. Right? I mean, we're so selfish. So pathetic. And if this matter of guidance was in our hands then would there be any guidance? Would anybody receive guidance? No, they wouldn't. So with Allah's mercy, He has kept this decision with Himself. And in the hereafter also, who will be the judge? Supreme judge, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you know, this is why Sufyan al-Saudi, he would say that I would not want my parents even to be my judge on the day of judgment. I would not want even my parents to be my judge in the akhirah. Why? Because Allah is more merciful than my parents. He is more wise than my parents. My mother loves me. My dad will do anything for me. They cannot see me hurt. They'll take me shopping. You know, even on the most ridiculous days and the most ridiculous times. And even though they're tired and exhausted after a whole week of work, still they'll take me shopping. And even if their feet are hurting, they love me. Sufyan al said, I don't want them to be my judge on the day of judgment. I want Allah to be my judge. Because He is the most just, the most fair, the most kind, the most forgiving, the most loving. So Allah's decisions are the best decisions. When it comes to risk, when it comes to guidance, His decisions are the best decisions. Because He created us, He loves us. We'll listen to the recitation of these verses. وَمَن يَهْدِ اللَّهُ فَهُوَ الْمُهْتَدِ وَمَن يُضْلِلْ فَلَن تَجِدَ لَهُمْ أَوْلِيَاءَ مِن دُونِهِ 